think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 297 of Low Limit Football on this 12th of September, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we are underway in England and Spain and France for the 2020-2021 season as Liverpool, Real Madrid, and PSG look to defend their league titles. Moves are still being made in the transfer window with Sandro Tonali snubbing Inter to move to AC Milan while big changes happen at Roma with Patrick Schick, Alexander Kolarov, and Alessandro Florenzi all moving on. San Jose suffers a 7-1 defeat to the hands of the Seattle Sounders bringing into question Matias Almeida's tenure at San Jose, and we'll dive deep into Juve and Arsenal with our very special guest, Christine Cupo, who'll be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Ready to start year eight, my friend? Yes, I'm so excited. But, but let me ask you this. What happens to the Sandro Tonali fan club now that he's gone to Milan? I, I've resigned as vice president. I think Nima resigned as president of the of the fan club as well. So we will be looking to start a new fan club soon. Um, once we identify that talent, uh, it could be uh, Camavinga, right? We could make the yeah, Camavinga. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it could be him. Yeah. Ansu Fati. Uh, the Ansu Fati. Fati wants him. Yeah, but he's already established. I mean, I, I think because of Camavinga being at Rena, that uh, not enough people know about him. You know what I mean? Versus Ansu Fati being at Barcelona. So maybe we'll start the Kamavinga fan club. I would I would like to be president of that fan club if that's okay. Um, so we'll start there. I, I well, think. you already have a packed midfield. Why not add one more? <laughs> Amen. Hey, hey, got to get younger and younger, right? Younger and faster, younger and faster. That's that's what the plan is right now at Juve. Um, and, and we just spoke to Christine a little while ago, and we, we kind of had that midfield chat as well. So um, I'm not going to get into the midfield too, too much, right? So... Um, let's let's get to it because we have a great show planned for you as we kick off year eight for us. Um, and let me start with the trivia question, my friend. So in the opening monologue, I spoke about Matias Almeida and how he's kind of on the hot seat right now at San Jose after the Seattle Sounders just 
thrubbed them 7-1. to They're currently in last place in the Western Conference in MLS. So I wanted to look at the head coaching history for San Jose because if you remember uh, going all the way back, San Jose is one of the original teams of MLS, starting out as the San Jose Clash back in 1996. So my question to you, Rob, is, it's two-part, how many coaches, including Almeida, how many different people, different men, have coached uh, San Jose in their history, going back from 96 to present? Um, and on that list, there are two men that have coached the team twice. Can you give me the two coaches? It's a little bit of a Ooh. tough one. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough, tough question. But, uh, you know, just interesting. Twelve coaches. Oh, I just gave you the answer. What an idiot. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but you got to give me two names then. Yeah, give me okay. two names. No problem. And you can give me that at the end of the show. Good job, Joe. Um, let's go into opening thoughts, really, while my mind is obviously scattered. And let's talk about the other thing I'm, I led to in the opening monologue, and that is the opening of the Premier League and La Liga seasons. Obviously, uh, let's start with let's start with the Premier League, right? Liverpool go on uh, that magical run, kind of faltered at the end, but really it was water under the bridge at that point, uh, running away with the Premier League title. Uh, I think you and I called that race back in December, um, even though we've been extended here because of COVID. Um, looking at the two teams, Rob, at the top, City and Liverpool, not really doing a whole lot of spending. And I think that's kind of been the theme, uh, you know, aside from Chelsea. It's been kind of the theme of many of the big teams in Europe. Uh, and I think it's a function of what's happened with the, the world pandemic is that we're just not seeing a lot of big spending or if we're seeing spending, we're also seeing sales that go with it. So we're not seeing big numbers being thrown around, but already we're at two billion spent in the uh, in the transfer window so far. The only real big spender Rob, that I can find so far is definitely Chelsea, who I think, um, you know, took all their all their pennies they saved from when they were transfer ban and are spending them all now on massive, massive talent. Um Although they bring in uh, Thiago Silva on a free from PSG to help with the defense. He's a little on the older side. Um, so we're still looking at seven, six matches uh, going forward with Chelsea. Um, so you, you look at Liverpool, you look at City, you look at Chelsea and what they've done. United have improved a little bit. Uh, where, where, do you, where do you think the Premier League is headed? Are we going to see a two-slash-ultimately-one-team race again? Do you think we'll see... A three or four team mat, uh, race. Uh, what do you think we're going to see this year? Well, I mean, I would always hope that we can see anything that was better than what we saw last season. Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, I think you do really see a lot of interesting um, pieces to many teams for this season. I mean, obviously, you'd mentioned Chelsea and their spending uh, with the players that they brought in, which obviously is kind of tied into the fact that they kind of had that money already saved up because of the transfer ban. And also just, you know, you look at this Liverpool side, yes, it's not the perfect side. I mean, obviously, there are things that obviously could be faulted. Manchester City, on the other hand, I mean, obviously, we're talking about him, perhaps, uh, I was talking about Lionel Messi possibly going there mm -hmm. for quite some time. Even then, um, the side looks really strong with as it is. I mean, you know, they, they, they get in a really good midfielder with Kevin De Bruyne, you still have what it ha you still have what it takes with players like Sergio Aguero. I mean, you clearly also bring in uh, Fernando Torres from Valencia, who's supposed to be a, a good talent as well. Nathan Ake, who came from Bournemouth. Y you look at the depth that they have, and it's really interesting. I mean, 
you know, no, no David Silva, who obviously went to Real Sociedad. So it, it certainly is a side that I personally think is the favorite to win the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go straight up and say they are my pick to win it. Um, but again, you know, you have Manchester United, who obviously brought in uh, Donny van de Beek as well from, from Ajax. You know, Arsenal, let's see how they do this season under Arteta. Everton, I mean, you know, they, they bring in two great names in Alan and, and James Rodriguez, who's a, a big coup. We have Leeds United back in there as well under Marcelo Bielsa. I mean, I'm not saying that those are the favorites to win the Premier League title itself, but certainly cause a dent into some of those teams that are contending. Mm-hmm. I would hope that, realistically speaking, I think we have two or three teams that could actually win the Premier League. Um, uh, maybe fourth, um, if I really wanted to be ambitious. I think Chelsea with defending, I mean, they still have to fix a little bit of what they have in the defense and definitely at goal as well. Um, I think Liverpool are set in what they have already and what worked in a good formula. And for, for Manchester City, I mean, look, I think definitely need to also improve a bit more in the defense and, and, and certainly find some more depth on the attack. But I think those three are the top favorites to, to go for the Premier League title. But I, obviously I'll pick the Citizens as my favorite to win it. I agree. Um, I think uh, I, I think I'm going to actually join you in choosing Manchester City as well because I, I just feel like they they are the most complete team still. Um, you know, I think there will be a battle with Liverpool. I do think Chelsea, because of their firepower, will remain in the race for a while. But I think ultimately, uh, the the questions at goalkeeper with with Kepa, the questions on the back line, I think will ultimately do them in because I think you can only win so many matches seven six. Um, so I think ultimately it is going to be a two-team race again. I don't think United have enough to challenge. Um, I think you might see better out of of Arsenal. Obviously today against Fulham we saw we, we saw the Willian show, which I think is a massive improvement for them. I think he brings another dimension of attack, and I think that will also take a little bit of pressure off the back line where they've they've suffered a little bit over um, over last season. Um, you know I I do like I do like the improvements that we're seeing at Everton. I think James Rodriguez being that talisman in the middle for them, I think is a massive, massive get for them. Um, might be even bigger than Alan playing the defensive midfield role for Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, you know, I think, I think Everton will be improved. I think that Merseyside derby is going to be a much, much better watch than it was last season because Liverpool just really, let's be honest, they steamrolled everybody. So I think you're going to see a, you're going to see the league catch up to City and Liverpool, but I think City will probably do a little bit better overall. You know, in terms of managing their their squad, managing their 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 you know the talent that they have, and giving the right players the right amount of rest, so that they can stay neck and neck with Liverpool. I do question Liverpool, and this is why I'm going with City, because now you're looking at two major transfer windows where they really didn't do a lot, right? I mean, we talked about it last season, remember, where they were close to. You know, before the start of last season, we talked about how they were close to City, but City were ultimately the champions of that season. That was the eighteen nineteen season, um, and Liverpool didn't do a whole heck of a lot. And, and it was credit to Jurgen Klopp to kind of maintaining the chemistry of the team and, and what he wanted to do. And then ultimately, they implemented what he wanted, and we saw the the fruits of his labor. But I think at this point, with all the competitions, with the FA Cup, with uh, with Community Shield, with the league, with Champions League, with all of those competitions that you have, I do think it would have behooved them to at least pick up a couple of filler uh, type players 
to come in and and help out there. And I think that's gonna that might come back to bite them later on down the road. So I think I think City's definitely going to be my champion as well. And I am interested to see what Marcelo Bielsa brings, the dimension he brings to uh, to to Leeds United. To the Premier League, I think everyone's kind of excited for that. More, I think that's one of the main storylines of the season is to see how Leeds does with uh, with a loco at uh, at the helm there in the top flight. So, the other, uh, I mean, as we say, as we say right now, Joe, knowing the history of the show, uh, as we record, they're playing uh, Liverpool in about a couple minutes, yeah. but. You know, they could lose like three 0 and then Bielsa's like, "All right, I'm out, guys. See you yeah, later." He could quit before <laughs> the match. I mean, that's why he's a loco, right? Because he could he could quit on Tuesday. We we you know you never know what you get with Marcelo Bielsa, and and it's his crazy genius. He, he only he, he only just signed his his contract to say to stay this season two <laughs> days before the the start of the season. I know. I mean, talk about trust issues. <laughs> Marcelo, Marcelo being Marcelo. So, uh, but yeah, I think we're both on board for city winning that title. Uh, let, let's go look at La Liga as well. Cause La Liga kicks off this weekend. Also Real Madrid return as champions. Um, they were obviously bounced out of the champions league by city last season. Again, another team. If, let's start with Real Madrid because I mean, we, I know we've spent a lot of time on, um, on Barcelona over the past, uh, you know, few weeks, especially given all the messy drama that we've had. But when you look at Real Madrid, Real Madrid really haven't done much to to improve their squad either. They've they've obviously recalled guys like Regalion on, uh, on on loan and that sort of thing. But uh, like we said, they did sell um, James Rodriguez out, although he wasn't really in Zidane's plans for the most part. We could see that uh, they loan out Takafusa Kubo uh, out to Villarreal. They they've made a couple of other small moves on the way out, um, but really nothing. They've brought nothing on the way in, Rob. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the Guardians transfer tracker right now. The only one they have listed for them for a player coming in is Hugo Duro from uh, the, the forward from Hatafe. Other than that, they've not done much. Now let's look at Barcelona quickly. Obviously, all the drama with Lionel Messi has been a massive, massive distraction. That 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 club is really in turmoil right now. Ivan Rakitic leaving. Arturo Vidal is is rumored to be on his way out and over to, heading over to Inter. Um, you know, they're, they're also getting older. Luis Suarez might be on his way out. We don't know what's going on with that yet. There are a lot of questions coming into Barcelona. And and Rob, I'm going to I'm going to preempt you and I'm going to say Real Madrid repeat as champions. But for me, don't be shocked if second place in this league is Sevilla. And don't be shocked if Barcelona just make the fourth spot in the Champions League. That's that's my boldest of predictions. Is Barca's going to finish fourth this season if they're lucky? I mean, what are your thoughts on La Liga this year? No, I I think that's a that's a understandable claim. Um, if you remember Joe from our interview with Semra last week, you know Real Madrid didn't need to spend because they said that they have the pieces necessary to contend. Um, so and obviously they've had a lot of players that already went on loan who are coming back or are going to be shifted off. So I think um, I think I could agree with you. I think Real Madrid, you know, kind of similar to what Samra said, it's like there's actually peace in the Spanish capital where they can actually feel as favorites to win the title. And it makes sense. It makes sense given the, the, the pieces that they have there and, and the ones that are coming of age, or, or should I say, like, are coming up. And those would, would replace those that are getting much older, you know, like, Marcelo, Tony Cruz, Karim Benzema, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, I would also hope that we do see an interesting race as well. I mean, you know, to backtrack on what Sevilla did in the Europa League, yeah, they, they have all the pieces necessary, at least have a team that could indeed contend and, and cause a dent in that La Liga race. I mean, not just them. We, 
obviously Atletico Madrid, you know, despite them not having perhaps the the um, the perfect squad, but again, no one does. But you know, they, they definitely have the, the the talent and the and obviously the players to fight for that spot um, and to win La Liga. I'm not saying they are going to win, but you know, you look at Barcelona as well. I think those two teams being Atletico and Sevilla and who else? We'll see. We'll see what happens. But they definitely have to take advantage of what Barcelona are going through in terms of their so-called ter- their turmoil and the whole messy situation. That could be a huge advantage to these two teams. So, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you here again and say that I, I would pick Real Madrid to win. I-, I just think that they're in the perfect scenario and the perfect situation with the great players that they have to repeat as champions. And yeah, again, I, I hope we see an interesting race and and definitely. It- Maybe it is the last dance for Lionel Messi. Yeah, here in, um, to use the Michael Jordan uh, phrase in at uh, Barcelona. I've got I've got to be honest with you. I do think that the I, I feel like this Barcelona season is not going to go well at all. And I do think that where we had the whole turmoil about can Messi get out of his contract? Can he opt out for free agency? All that stuff. The way that was a mess this year because of the timing of it. I think next season or or this coming season, when the time comes, I think Messi immediately says, "I'm out." Uh, I think I think he does move after this season. I, I think that's that's completely going to happen. Now, where he goes, I don't know. Who's going to want a 33-year-old Lionel Messi? I mean, I think there are a lot of people that would line up for that. Uh, but I do think Barca is not going to have the season you'd expect them to have, even though they have good pieces there. I mean, one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. Um, you know, but PK's getting older. Rakitic has moved on. They just they don't have enough youth. You know, even though we just talked about Ansu Fati. Um, yeah, you know, Frankie de Young as well. Frankie I mean, de Young, you know, and um, and and Ricky Pooch is also there. But I, th- I think also I, I think for all those pieces, there are too many Gerard PK pieces, and and I think that there's just too much age in the key spots for them where where it won't happen. I mean, even Marilyn Pjanic is going to be 31. And, so. and, and also, you also have, I mean, you have young. I, mean, I don't want to say young players, but you have players who are supposed to be in their prime and perhaps haven't shown what they are capable of doing. Mm. Philippe Coutinho, Antoine Griezmann, I mean, Dembele. I mean, yeah, Ousmane Dembele is like, the big one. I mean, unfortunately, even at a young age, it, it kind of it kind of feels like you have to put him in um, in bubble wrap so he doesn't get injured. Yeah. It's just been abs- – it's like what do you expect from him? Are we able – are we going to actually see a fully fit Ousmane Dembele do something at Barcelona? We don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think there is – quite a lot of questions that have to be asked on this Barcelona side. And again, maybe it is a transition year. Maybe it's just what it is, but you know, they have the, t- the players to do it, but they, you just don't, you're not convinced by them. No, And it's so, all. it's so weird to say that for a Barcelona side who we have known for quite some time for many, for a decade, almost two decades now, yeah. how they've dominated Spanish football. Mm-hmm. And now we could probably see the end of that kind of, dominance yeah i agree i agree so we're both on the record man city wins the premier league um we're on we're both on the record that real madrid will win la liga next week we will um we will go ahead and dive into the Serie A and the bundesliga as they kick off next weekend so um we're back to a normal footballing schedule it doesn't it seems very weird but uh, but we'll get back to it, Rob. I think we both agree also that PSG, even though they've gone through the the whole COVID situation just now with all their players testing positive and and losing their first match of the season, I think ultimately we'll see PSG win that. But I I think you know just as a quick sidebar, 
Um, I think Marseille might be hard charging. Uh, I'm worried about Lyon as as good as they were performed in the Champions League. I'm worried about their ability to maintain that moving forward. Um, you know, I I think it's it's PSG's again, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. I would I would agree. So I think we'll go on the record as giving you PSG. Um, right now we're giving you PSG Man City, and we're giving you Real Madrid. Next week we'll we'll talk Bundesliga and. Serie A and give you our predictions for those leagues. So let's table our opening thoughts discussion for now and get to our interview because we were fortunate enough just before we started recording to have Christine Cupo join us and talk about uh, the, her two loves, um, Juve and Arsenal. And we had a great, great discussion on both teams and looking at them heading into the season. So without further ado, the Christine Cupo interview. Joining us now on Low Limit Football, Christine Cupo, soccer internet personality and organizer for NYC Soccer. How are you today, Christine? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. We're really excited. One of the things that you and I have in common is the fact that we both uh, support and love Juventus. So this is going to be really easy to start. Um, there are a lot of questions coming up with Juve entering the season, which kicks off for them next week. One of the big factors, obviously, is the mystery behind Andrea Pirlo. We know Andrea Pirlo, the footballer. Um, and honestly, I think many of us would still wish that he would still be playing in the black and white stripes. But he's now the head coach. And one of the mysteries is, what is what is Pirlo going to give us? You know, we kind of knew what Sarri would give us. We knew what Conte would give us. We knew what Allegri would give us. But there's kind of a mystery, and I think that sits uneasy with some Juvent, uh, Juventus fans. What are your thoughts on what Andrea Pirlo brings to the table? Uh, I think it should sit fairly uneasily with most of us, if, if I'm being honest. I, I love Pirlo. From, like, day one, I, I could never say a bad thing about that man. I went to my first NYCFC game before, because of that man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's brilliant, for sure, as a player. But I obviously extremely untested as a manager uh he was i i have high hopes i think that we we all do we share that but i i don't know what to expect quite frankly i don't know if he's going to be the kind of manager that can translate sort of his ability and sort of tactics to a team i i mean I hope so. Um, I just don't know. I feel like this has been one of many steps that Juve have taken that sort of have created more questions than answers for a lot of us because you bring in someone like Sari and you know what you're getting. You're, you're getting Sari. And Sari isn't a, sort of a single season manager to get sort of that yield that full result that you expect from sorry. So I I feel like if we weren't willing to stay the course with him, what pray tell <laughs> are the expectations that were sort of resting on Pirlo's shoulders at this point? Um, his appointment was super abrupt, in my opinion, unless something was going on behind the scenes that that I missed. But I I don't know I really, I'm excited to see what happens only because I feel like last season, yes, we were winning, but nothing was exciting. It wasn't fun football to watch. I sort of started to have this feeling like, yeah, we're winning, but it doesn't feel good. Um, So, I mean, hopefully, you know, four 
Syria titles and, and a wealth of knowledge from Pirlo um, will sort of bolster us and maybe we'll have some creativity and some injection of energy and new blood and um, get some of that sort of like ferocity back. I think it's going to be very interesting because, you know, we all know what we get with Pirlo given his great career that he's had as a player. But yeah, like you said, he's so unproven as a manager. I mean, he only took the U23 job. And then after Sari got sacked, he just goes and gets promoted to the senior team. So I think it also will be interesting how he will deal with the various egos that we have on Juventus. I mean, obviously the big uh, elephant in the room is of Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he's the one that certainly is the the main star of this team. But before we get into that, uh, we do have to talk about some of the incorporations that did come uh, during the summer. Obviously, we did see Arthur come from Barcelona on that swap deal with Pjanic. We also saw Dejan, Dejan Kulisevsky coming from Parma, uh, ending his loan there. But the big one that I'm sure all of us here are very happy to see is the first American to play at Juventus, and that's Weston McKinney coming from Schalke on a 4.5 million uh, loan deal and with an option to buy. So, you know, Christine, going into this, I mean, certainly this is a great move for American soccer as a whole to see a young player, a young exciting player of, of what he, he's what he's able to show, go into a big team like Juventus. So, I just want your thoughts on that move for him, and you know. Do we see him as a player that will definitely get consistent playing time at um, under Pirlo? First off, I am elated to see him make that move to Juve. I think that for him as a player, it's it's brilliant. Uh, it's the best possible thing that could have happened for him at this point. He's, I think he's great. I think he needs some polishing, but he's so versatile, which he's shown um, at Schalke. And... I think that he'll be better utilized at Juve. I think that uh, we'll see him sort of shine in ways that we hadn't before, only because he didn't have sort of that that scope of ability to do it um, where he was. So change of scenery, uh, bigger name for sure. Um, high pressure, absolutely. But I think that if you can't possibly extract whatever wisdom from Pirlo within your time with him, then it's probably your own fault. Um, so I'm, I'm really optimistic. I, I don't want to get all woo like American players, but of course, you know, that deep down we're all doing that. Um, so I, I just, I want to see I was utilized. I'm kind of curious to see where Pirlo thinks he should best be because realistically like this is a player that has been talked about like hey man you can catch him anywhere except for in goal which is even a possibility some days so um TBD but my fingers are crossed yeah, Christine I just want to jump in because I want to get your opinion here because this is one of the you know going even back to talking about Pirlo this, this was kind of one of the mysteries for me you bring in Kulishevsky, you bring in Artur you bring in Weston McKinney um, I know we unloaded Mirlan Pjanic, which basically we got we got younger we got a younger version of Pjanic when we brought Arthur in. Um, you get rid of Blaise Matuidi. Uh, I would you would expect Sammy Kadira to be gone now, so the, the midfield has gotten younger. Um, but you know Rodrigo Betancourt is still there, young young player as well. Uh, Adrian Rabiot looks like he's going to stick around as well. I I feel almost like there is a little bit of a clog in the midfield. Do you think one of the mysteries for me for Andrea Pirlo is what kind of formation is he going to run out there is he going to play the 4-3-3 like Saudi did did he is he going to do something a little different 
And I'm wondering if maybe he goes to a much heavier midfield, even maybe returns to a 3-5-2, uh, you know, old, old style uh, Antonio Conte, because he has the, the midfield property to be able to do that. And to put Dybala and Cristiano Ronaldo up top in a 3-5-2 would be something I mean, really, really awesome. And or <laughs> if, or if you wanted to, if they if they bring in somebody like Luis Suarez or Eden Dzeko, um, you could put the two of them up and play DiBala behind them in the midfield. There's there's a lot of flexibility, and we do have the defenders that are capable. You know, Bonucci, Chiellini. If you remember the the real BBC with uh, Bar- yeah. Barzali, but now you've got Demerol, you've got Delict, you've really got pieces that you could play a really really strong three five two. Is this kind of a, a clue? for you that that maybe he's going to go that way what are your thoughts on that i feel like if they were terribly dissatisfied with what sorry was doing that would be the logical move in my opinion also i i would probably be not that i am a managerial mastermind but i would probably be more aligned with conte than sorry quite frankly um but uh i i mean 352 i'd love to see it i would i really i i mean Quite frankly, I feel like this season is is so uh, blank page for for everyone just because we we have no expectations that you know like Pirlo might you know make a run for it. Who knows, um, right? Like if you have nothing really to sort of measure up to, uh, no past real successes outside of your playing career, uh, what do you kind of have to lose, right? You kind of don't have a monkey on your back at that point. I feel like maybe he has more arm swinging room to develop and sort of try things because nobody is going to be pointing a finger yet and saying like, hey, that's not his style. Why would he do that? Um, but yeah, put me down for three five two. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting that you said that about not having that much uh, expectation because that's actually a good follow up. You know, given obviously the the importance of Juventus and how they themselves expect the most, i.e. win a treble, you know, Serie A, Coppa Italia, Champions League. You know, given everything that has already happened to them with their previous managers, Conte, Allegri, and sorry, uh, in comes Pirlo, obviously someone that is very inexperienced, but obviously has the club history uh, to back him up, you know, similar to what maybe Frank Lampard is doing at Chelsea. But I think here at Juventus, the expectations are a bit much um, bigger. <laughs> So having said that, you know, do you see the season as that kind of, you know, tra- I don't like to say transition because it, it feels like it's not there yet. But do we see that kind of expectation for fans t- to see like, OK, uh, if we don't win the Champions League, you know, at least we could win a Serie A or a Coppa Italia. It doesn't matter. Um, but or is it just the case like, no, we need to win all the titles that are out there and and be perfect, basically. <laughs> I think this is sort of something that I has kind of set me at odds with myself, right? Because if if we're living and dying by Champions League, which quite frankly has seemed to be in the case, um, irrespective of anything else that we win, of course we want to still be seen as a powerhouse of a team. Uh, we want to win everything, right? But I feel like at some point the line was drawn in the sand that yes, we can, we can win the Scudetto, but if we're not getting Champions League, then what are we even doing here? And I feel like for, at least from my perception, that was what undid Sari. Um, and if they didn't have the patience to ride out 
sort of Sari's contract to see that sort of Sari ball come to fruition, which takes multiple seasons, then how much patience do you think they have for Pirlo? On the other hand, they selected Pirlo uh, in sort of what seemed like a knee-jerk reaction again. And I think he's obviously going to strive to win whatever he can. I mean, that's just his mentality, right? So whether he's a player or a manager, I think that's something that's going to stick with him. I just don't know what the expectations are that have been set with him or for him if they dismissed previous very good managers for, for all intents and purposes. Um, I don't know. Does that, does that lower the bar for him? Do you think, or do you think that, you know, he's still striving for champions league irrespective of his own personal experience. And they're kind of looking to him to be sort of this wonder Pirlo. It will definitely be interesting to see how they assess the entire season. And, and, and I think it obviously will be a big test for Pirlo's managerial career. And what bigger test than, than to manage the probably the biggest team in all of Italy. So we'll definitely have to see. But switching gears now to England, we do have to mention the other team that you have a close love-hate relationship, <laughs> I would say. I think that might be the, the more appropriate word to use, and that's Arsenal. Um, I, I know you would love to just end the Premier League right now after their win against Fulham, but <laughs> fortunately that's not how the world works. Um, but still, um, you know, Arsenal are coming into the season, obviously, with Mikel Arteta as uh, as manager, you know, his first full season at the club. You know, they, he was able to get some key pieces, as we saw as well today um with William coming from Chelsea on a free and Gabrielle coming from Lille uh certainly I think this team does have something to offer this season so you know that they, they probably are going to keep uh Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um we'll, we'll see how it goes in the next few days but how do you assess Arsenal's season um obviously they're still in Europa League and and everything like that so how do you assess their season uh under Arteta? Uh, I, I am uncharacteristically optimistic. I am so unfamiliar with this feeling, quite frankly, just in sort of my dual supporting of both Juve and Arsenal, I usually do put all of my eggs in, in, the, in the Juve basket and just sort of, it balances out my emotions better. Um, <laughs> but I, I really feel like I, I love Arteta. I love that the players seem to have been so receptive to him. Um, everything that he took from sort of the pep school of management has has paid off. I am eternally grateful. Uh, William today, um, I, I don't know why I was so surprised to see that he was so seamlessly integrated into the squad. He looked like he had always been there. And I think that that makes me feel amazing. Uh, Gabrielle, he's wonderful. Another great addition. Um, if Abba were to leave, I would be distraught. Um, kind of adding in sort of to the list of tweets of everyone else that's like, hey, hey, Abba, you going to sign that thing or what? Um, never thought I'd be that person, but hello, here we are. Um, really just a little bit sad to see um, Emmy Martinez go because he's clearly on his way out. I think that the writing was on the wall and obviously the rumors are true. Um, really had a soft spot for him last season and I kind of would love to hang on to him. 
Um, and then, of course, my pride and joy, um, Bellerin. Um, he's not allowed to leave, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, currently, as is, uh, maybe with like a couple tweaks, we're top four. I'm pretty confident. Maybe too confident. I don't know. I was only Fulham today, right? But um, I think we got a real chance. I was going to say that's that's quite brave if you ask me. Strict, strictly because I mean City not that City or Liverpool went out and added massive pieces but they were already you know heads above everybody else in the league. Chelsea are the are really the big spenders in the world right now. I think they basically saved their pennies from their transfer ban and are just spending them all at once right now in the candy store. Um, you know, and then you look at United, United trying to add some pieces, but United can be semi-dysfunctional. You've still got Spurs. Everton adds Thomas Rodriguez, um, which I think was a massive piece, uh, you know, reunites with Carlo Ancelotti there. So I would expect Everton to be a little better than what they were last season. There's a lot of names I've just thrown out there and I mm-hmm. haven't hit Arsenal yet. Um, I mean, obviously, Willian was huge for them today. Three assists, if I remember Three correctly. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, one heck of a way to, to make your, your presence known at Arsenal. Um, what kind of other pieces? I mean, David Luiz can't still be the answer back there. Can he? Quite <sighs> <laughs> frankly, I don't think he was ever the answer. Like, I am, I'm so vocally anti-David Luiz, and I get it. Like, when he's on, he is so remarkably on that mm. it's painful how just out of it, discombobulated and completely clueless he seems other times. It's frustrating. And I don't understand how he's even like that. But I was in a brief period of grieving when they extended his contract. I just, I don't, I don't know how we see him being integral to us moving forward. Or I just... Us, I talk. I'm like, yes, I'm on the team too. But uh, for Arsenal moving forward, I just, yeah, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I, I think that, quite frankly, Arsenal does do some questionable things from time and time again. But um, I feel like we've kind of stabilized a bit, and so the necessity to keep David Louise was just kind of perplexing for me. Well, I think you know. Bringing Gabrielle in, I think, is a big one. You know, I think that's a real big. Oh piece. yeah, yeah. That's that's a massive piece for them. That that really addresses a need. Um, I I'd be shy. I'm with you about Hector Bellerin. Um, if they if they let him go, I I, I would be kind of shocked about that. Um, in fact, when I was watching the match this morning, I was kind of shocked to see them on see him on the pitch. But you know, I was worried. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, once the PSG rumor subsided because they just were not interested in the sticker price. Mm-hmm. Uh, I relaxed a bit because I feel like if he were to go, the man's going to go somewhere with a good fashion week. So <laughs> and that I was like, one. okay, we've got him. We've got him, you know? And then sort of the Barca rumors cropped up um, over the potential to, to take him on loan and uh, over my dead body, <laughs> I will backstroke my way across the sea to just like cling to his ankle and be like, you can't, you can't go. I just can't do it. Like we need to, you need to stick around and plant more trees this season. And uh, we're not done here. So, so, so not to ruin your, your day. Cause obviously he's not going to go to PSG now. At least it doesn't look like it strictly because like you said, the sticker price for one, but for two uh, they brought in Alessandro Florenzi from Roma. So I think that kind of fills the spot and maybe takes away the Paris faction week. I would worry about the Milan Fashion Week. 
because there are two teams there that are looking to spend a couple bucks, and you know, you never know if he you might can't. end up. There. I, I I'm know. Like, no, 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 no! Don't say it. Don't <laughs> you just—you've got a little bit more time to hold on. I think you might get there um, ultimately, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think he's a good piece for Arsenal. I, you know, I think he really solidifies that right side of the of the field, and and I can't see them moving him along unless they have an answer. Um, and if they don't have an answer, I, I don't think he leaves. That's yeah, my... I don't think I don't think we have like I don't think Arsenal has any better answers. I don't think there's anybody else out there that that's another him. I, I think that if I were like if I had to fight tooth and nail to keep somebody, uh, well, we know David Luiz would be gone, but like it would be Bellerin. <laughs> him and and Aubameyang and Lacazette, but <laughs> yes. Oh my God! First of all. Anybody that wants to see that bromance broken up is an enemy of mine. <laughs> like Laka and Abba are they're adorable. Can I can I offer can I offer uh, an, an option that I think sure. you might accept? Sending Lacazette, I'm listening. Sending Lacazette to Juventus. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so we'll make the whole interview go full circle, right? I mean, here, yeah. Here we so are. So obviously. Um, it's a weird feeling when something like that happens only because contextually you get used to seeing that player as that certain person on that squad. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for example, I would never be angry if, you know, somebody from Juve shifted to Arsenal, Arsenal to Juve, et cetera. But I think that it's just different. Right. So like Aaron Ramsey shifted from Arsenal to, uh, Juve, and of course I love having him there, but it's just not the same. Like I'm more rooting for his joy. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I want I want to see you be happy, not like you know. It's just right. I don't know. It lacks something. And and speaking of to totally go full circle, Aaron Ramsey, another midfielder at Juve right now. Then you know, that's another option. So, Christine, before we let you go, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am all over the internet, usually all day and all night. Um, welcome to my beautiful, dear, sweet pandemic. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter at C Coupo, and I'm also on Instagram at Miss Coupo, M-I-S-S-C-U-P-O. Great stuff. Again, Christine, thanks for joining us on the show. We had a great time chatting, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. And special thanks again to Christine Cupo for joining us on the show. We had a great chat, uh, like I said, all things Arsenal and Juventus. Rob, we've got some matches of the week coming up. First and foremost, I also want to mention in the matches of the week, because there were too many to mention, but Copa Libertadores kicks back off this week, Rob. There's 16 matches over the course of Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, which is very exciting because I love nothing more than midweek evening matches to watch, and we're going to get a bunch of them coming out of the Copa Libertadores out of South America. So definitely catch those also <laughs> in matches of the week this week, Rob, we mentioned Matias Almeida and, uh, and, and obviously he's part of the trivia question. San Jose faces Portland at home on Wednesday at nine 30 PM. That's going to be our match of the week because I can't see him suffering another massive loss and surviving that. So, uh, one to watch out for San Jose, Portland, 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday, 9.30 Eastern. Um, on Friday, the Bundesliga kicks off with Bayern Munich, Schalke, the, the uh, champs looking to defend their title starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Then on Saturday, I'm going to add a second Bundesliga match because it was too tasty to pass up. Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Mönchengladbach, two Champions League bound teams, Saturday, 12.30 p.m. And we'll look at Ligue 1 as Rena welcomes in Monaco at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Then on Sunday, probably the match of the week. 
Chelsea, Liverpool in the Premier League, 11.30 a.m. on Sunday. That is definitely going to be goals like we'd said um, or we expected with PSG Arsenal in the Champions League. Make sure you're wearing a helmet for that one because there's, I think there's going to be a lot of goals in that one. Then Juve Sampdoria kick off at 2.45 p.m. on Sunday as Juve looks to defend their title, followed by Real Sociedad, Real Madrid as they kick off their season to defend their title at 3 p.m. on Sunday as well. Rob, let me give you the trivia question that I totally messed up at the beginning of the show. Uh, I talked about San Jose. They're one of the original teams going back to the San Jose Clash coming into MLS. Uh, They have had, unfortunately, I gave you half the question. I gave you half the answer. They have had 12 coaches in their history, including Matias Almeida. 12 different men have coached, uh, I'm sorry, uh, San Jose. Can you give me the two names that have coached the team twice? Now that's where I'm, I've hit a wall. Yep. I, I can't. I, I can't give you anyone. It's it's a tough one. One of them is one of them is, is almost synonymous. Um, actually, both team both names are almost synonymous with the team. And, and believe it or not, in my research, one player one coach replaced the other. So I will give you the list of names of of coaches for the. Um, the San Jose Earthquakes and the San Jose Clash going back to 1996. Lori Calloway, Brian Quinn, Jorge Espinosa as an interim manager, Lothar Osiander, uh, then Frankie Yallop, Dominic Kinnear, Mark Watson, Ian Russell, Chris Leach, Michael Stair, Steve Ralston, and currently Matias Almeida from 2019. So I gave you a bunch of names. Can you give me the two names, possibly? That you just mentioned? Yes, which two of those uh, names might have? I feel like I've heard this name before, so I'm going to guess. Dominic Kinnear? Dominic Kinnear coached them from 2004, 2005, to two, um, and then he also coached them again 2015 to 2017. Dominic Kinnear also replaced this gentleman. He was the sandwich coach between this guy. He had two, two stints um, with them, and uh, Kinnear was sandwiched in the middle. That I have no idea. Frank, nah, no problem. Just Fra- tell me. Frankie Yallop. Frankie Yallop coached Yallop. them from 2001 okay. to 2003 and 2008 to 2013. Um, so Yallop coached them from 2001 to 2003. Then Dominic Kinnear took over 2004 2005. Then there was two years where San Jose was on hiatus. And then when they came back, uh, Yallop coached them again from 2008 to 2013. 12 coaches overall, maybe 13 if Matias Almeida does not survive the weekend or the week. So, uh, Rob, without anything left on the closing on the docket, my friend, I'm going to hit the closing music for us. Let's do it. All right, let's do it as we start off year eight in style for sure. So for episode 297 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Christine Kupo for joining us next week. We will look at the Serie A, we will look at the Bundesliga, and we're going to bring you another great guest to cover it all. So for episode 297 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.